podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Friday before Liverpool versus Everton in the Merseyside Derby in the Premier League at Anfield. And we get bad news to start our Fridays. Andy Robertson will have surgery on his shoulder. Jürgen says he'll be out for a while. The Athletic are reporting likely three months. Three months from now, that's mid-January. That's a long absence. But there are some positives to be taken here. Andy Robertson has clearly declined from where he was at the peak of his powers. And the biggest reason for that is he's played far too much football. Andy Robertson has been overplayed as much, if not more, than any player in world football over the last six years. For club and country. So this will give Andy Robertson an extended break. This might allow him to recharge his batteries and potentially we get back a better version of Andy Robertson. Now, he's been okay this season. He hasn't been good, but he hasn't been dreadful. He's had a couple of poor games, a couple of good games and a couple of meh kind of games. This will give Costa Simicus the opportunity to have a prolonged run in the team. Now, I don't think anyone's under the illusion that Costas is going to somehow become prime Maldini and establish himself as the starting left back for the long run. But it will give him a chance to see what he can do so that going into next summer, we can properly evaluate. I would say we need a new left back. I I think that should be consensus, bar those who, you know, we're still championing Milner and Henderson by the end and are just utterly deluded about the level of certain players I think a starting left-back should be one of our priorities for next summer. But the question then is who becomes the backup? Is it Robbo or do you keep Costas? Neither of them count as homegrown. Robbo's clearly the better player, but Robbo would also bring significantly more in the transfer market than Costas Simicus would. And Costas is used to being a backup. So it's not a transition for Costas to just slot into that backup role. He's already there. It would be a significant transition for Andy Robertson, having started as an automatic first choice for so long to slot into that position. And if Costas can show over the next few months that while he's not Robbo, potentially he's close to Robbo's level now, not what Robbo was, what Robbo is now, 
then maybe it, it becomes a real question of which one do you move on. It should also give opportunities to Luke Chambers. Now, he's got a little knock or an injury at the moment. We'll see what that turns out to be. And Callum Scanlon, who's very highly regarded. And it would be great to see both of them get opportunities in the Europa League and in the League Cup. My hope is that we see one of them starting in each of those games. The Europa League games, we've got four left in the group. We've got Bournemouth in the EFL Cup. I don't want to see Costas playing those games. But those would have been Costas' games if Robbo hadn't got hurt. But give them to the kids now. Give them the third round of the FA Cup as well. Give them the next round of the League Cup if we get past Bournemouth. And there's potentially seven games that those two young lads can get between them. And we can see where they're at. And maybe in January then we loan Scanlon out or we loan Chambers out and let them get more development. It's a blow for Robbo and it it sucks for Robbo, but it might be a good thing for Robbo because we might get him back in late January refreshed and ready to contribute at a better level than he has for the past, well, nearly two years. Like, Robbo hasn't been particularly good since January 2022. It's now October 2023. It's 20 months. No, it's not. It's 22 months. And you'd hope that with a bit of a break, he can up the levels when he comes back. Um, There is some talk of Joe Gomez playing there. I'm really not keen on seeing that. Being honest, not seeing, not keen on seeing that, to be honest. I want to see him play right back and I want to see Trent play in midfield, but we'll see what happens. Um, Harvey Elliott ready to show he's good enough with Euro 2024 in his sights. Harvey has about as much chance of going to Euro 2024 as you or I have, being honest. Like, as talented as he is, he's not going to get into that England squad for Euro 2024 because they've got Saka, they've got Foden, they've got Grealish, they've got Rashford. They're all automatically going to be in the squad. James Madison is well ahead of him. When Mason Mount is fit, he'll be ahead of him. Over our midfielders, Curtis Jones is the one that has some chance of getting into that squad if there's an injury to a Henderson or a a Phillips who'll be in the squad despite not deserving their spots. Unless Harvey wants to try and compete with Harry Maguire for a spot at centre-back, in which case he would be no worse than Harry Maguire at centre-back. He he doesn't have much hope, unfortunately. Uh, Why Dyche's relentless midfield can give Everton hope? They've got a pretty decent midfield. Garner's playing well. Onana's a monster. Dekure is is playing well, but He's inconsistent. Uh, four youngsters join training. Gakpo boost and sporting director update. Let's have a gander of what this is. Four youngsters, uh, Callum Scanlon, James McConnell, Trent Coney-Darty and Tommy Pilling were all involved in the derby preparation. Scanlon drafted in to replace Robbo because obviously uh, Chambers has the the ankle issue. So Scanlon's likely to make the bench for the derby, which is massive for the kid. Um, Gakbo's training. 
so that's good. Matt Beard has admitted he remains frustrated at the manner of his side's defeat in the women's derby at Anfield last weekend. And that's about it for us. Uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has said he was surprised by contract silence from Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. I'm really not sure why he was surprised. Um, he said he was surprised by the lack of communication from Jurgen Klopp and the club over his future before it was publicly announced ahead of last season's final home game. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain should have left two or three years before he eventually did. I don't know what he thought was going to happen. Was he going to stay? Was that his hope, that he would stay and continue to pick up a significant wage while contributing very little? He, he had to have known. He had to have known he wasn't getting a new contract. He had to have known that he wasn't in the plans. I mean, he barely played for months on end, even when he was fit. I hope he's having a good time in Turkey with Besiktas. I hope he plays well. I hope he's happy and living a good life, him and Perry and their little one. But Ox... You stayed too long. It was time for you to move on. It had been time for you to move on. That last season was a waste of everybody's time. The season before wasn't much better from your perspective. Um, I don't really know why he he was surprised that the club weren't going to give him a new contract. I mean, Ox's contract should have expired in 2022, but the club gave him an extra year when he destroyed his knee they didn't have to do that but they did and obviously he was never the same player when he came back which is unfortunate because I've always liked Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as a player and as a person but the facts are the facts and after his knee exploded he just wasn't the same he had he had a spell at the start of 1920 where he was looking really good and then he would have one poor game and he'd disappear because obviously someone else had to play for fear of tantrums. Uh, moving on to Liverpool.com, as uh, a piece about Robbo. For some reason, there's a piece about Lionel Messi. Um, there are more and more reports that Jamal Musiala is a major target for us for next summer. Now, whether that would be, you know, if Mo goes and we've got suddenly huge amounts of money to spend, or whether it's if Diaz were to go, because I wouldn't be hugely surprised if Luis Diaz left next summer. There's been rumblings that he hasn't settled, that he's not all that happy living in England, that he doesn't really enjoy the lifestyle. There was obviously rumours that he was... Or well, I don't think there was rumours, I think there was an offer from a Saudi Arabian club in the summer. And that doesn't happen for a player with four years left on his deal unless George Mendes, who's the 
puppet master and all of this believes the player would be open to the move. So I wouldn't be surprised if in the summer, Al-Ali or Al-Halal or Al-Etifat, not Al-Etifat because they've got no money, um, Al-Etihad, that's what I'm trying to think of, or Al-Nazir, come back in with 80 million for Diaz. And I wouldn't be surprised if we took it and moved on. He, he's a very talented player. On his day, he's unplayable, but he is very frustrating. He's very, very frustrating. The lack of a left foot. Like he, when he was at Porto, he wasn't two footed. He's never been two footed. But at Porto, he was happy to beat his man down the line and just fire the ball across with his left foot. And now you just don't see that from him. But we'll see. Jurgen Klopp has unlocked Liverpool defender who is better than Virgil van Dijk this season. Well, let's start by saying Liverpool have not had a defender who's been better than Virgil van Dijk this season because there's only been maybe two centre-backs in the entire league who've been better than Virgil van Dijk this season. But however... um, Oh, Joe Gomez. No, Joe Gomez has not been better than Virgil van Dijk this season. Joe's been good this season, but he's also been rinsed uh, on two occasions this year. So, no, he has not been better than Virgil van Dijk this season. So that, I'm afraid, uh, Ben Boxack is is not true. Um, another piece about Harvey in Euro 2024. Hey, Andy Robertson injury. LeBron James leads Liverpool boost as FSG rejections pile up amid Trent Alexander-Arnold's step. Alexis McAllister has helped Liverpool, but Jurgen Klopp ultimatum has not been met yet. Um, okay, there's a cool piece about Gakpo, piece about Dominic. Uh, let's look at the Merseyside derby. Let's look at some of the some of the recent fixtures and then some of the historic fixtures. So, recent results against Everton. 2-0 at home last season. 0-0 at Goodison. That was a disappointment. 2-0 at home the year before. 4-1 victory at Goodison. Lost 2-0 to the Madan Field in 2021. Um, no fans. No defence. All very weird. We were garbage such as life. A 2-2 draw on the 17th of October 2020, which is what ruined our season that year and altered sort of what we became. Virgil got injured. He's never been quite the same. He's still great. He was the best defender in the world when he came back and he's getting back there again. Um, Tiago got hurt. He missed months, but the Virgil injury is what, what altered things. Uh, nil-nil at Goodison the year before. Title was already won. It didn't matter. 1-0 at Anfield in the FA Cup when we played a bunch of kids and Curtis Jones scored a worldie. A 5-2 at Anfield that year as well with two from Divock Origi. A nil-nil at Goodison in March of 2019. The 2nd of December 2018, the Divock Origi goal. What a moment. Ali runs up, 
knocks it, knocks at the free kick a bit wider for Trent to give him the angle. Ball into the box, half cleared. Virgil takes a wild swing at it. It goes sky high. He turns away in disgust. The ball comes down. It's going to hit the back of the crossbar and go out of play. And Jordan Pickford stretches out his little tiny arms and brings it back into play. And the ball bounces along the crossbar. And the only person who's fully alive to it is Divock Origi. <laughs> it's one of the maddest moments in club history. It really is. Nil-nil uh, at Goodison in 17-18. 1-1 at Anfield in the league in 17-18. But in between those games on the 5th of December, sorry, 5th of January 2018, is the debut of one Virgil van Dijk and a goal from one Virgil van Dijk off an Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain corner. 16-17, uh, we beat them in both games. 3-1 at Anfield and 1-0 at Goodison, the Sadio Mane 94th minute win it, winner. A beautiful moment. 15-16, uh, obviously we beat them 4-0 at, at Anfield. We draw 1-1 with them at their kip. 14-15, uh, both games end in draws. 0-0 at Goodison, 1-1 at Anfield. 13-14, two absolutely mental games. So... At Goodison in the first t- first uh, meeting of the season, we draw 3-3. And we are a shambles in that game defensively. Steven Gerrard looks 45. Looks like a fella who's, who's run his race and probably needs to be put down. Um, and then we changed the shape in the January and Gerrard had, you know, a decent run of games and looked reinvigorated. Um as we, we charged towards, well, second ultimately, but it was towards the hope of the title. The 4-0 win at Anfield was a stunning affair. You get Gerard scores the opener. Sturridge gets two, including that gorgeous lob. And then Suarez picks the ball up on the halfway line and runs through unchallenged. Phil Jagielka panting and puffing in his ear, trying to get back, but he had no chance. Um, 12-13, we beat them at Wembley. 2-1, Andy Carroll's best moment for the club. That's 11-12. 12 12-13, 12-13, a 2-2 draw at Goodison and a 0-0 at Anfield. 11-12 is the FA Cup game. We beat them 3-0 at Anfield. Gerrard scores that wonderful hat-trick. We beat them 2-0 at Goodison that year as well, as Suarez and Carroll added again. And that takes us back to the horrifying 10-11 season. Now, we drew 2-2 with them at Anfield. Morellas and a late Dirk Cow penalty. But we lost 2-0 to them at Goodison a game in which Roy Hodgson described as our best performance of the season to date. An absolute horror show of a performance. That had been our last defeat to Everton until that 2-0 at 
when there was no fans and we were shit. Over a decade. Over a decade, they didn't they didn't beat us. And that's where we need to get back to again. I want to see us just hammer home the advantage of how much better than them we are. Because they are dreadful, ladies and gentlemen. They are absolutely dreadful. This season, they look catastrophically bad at at times. They've had their moments. They obviously beat Bournemouth and beat Brent excuse me, Brentford. But they were dreadful against Fulham, appalling against Villa, poor against Wolves, poor against Sheffield United, an abomination against Luton. They were okay against Arsenal, to be fair to them. Uh, they have beaten Doncaster and Aston Villa in the League Cup, both away from home, to be fair to them. They've won three three of their four wins this season have come away from home. The power of Goodison, not so much. Not so much. They've been shocking at home. They've lost four of their five home games. But away from home, they've looked a bit more lively. Less pressure. Easier to play as a nice deep block. Banks of four. Counter-attack. Easier to do that away from home. If we look at what they've got for tomorrow, uh, Pickford will obviously be in goal with his tiny arms. Right back, I'm guessing Ashley Young. Left back, Michaelenko. Centre-backs, I would suggest most likely Tarkovsky and Branthwaite. That's been their preferred pairing. It's been their best pairing. Ashley Young aside, Ashley Young is at this point in his career, a liability, a major liability. But Tarkovsky, Branthwaite and Michaelenko is a pretty good defence. It's pretty solid. Young is just a liability and teams can attack them down that side. But if they, if, if Dyche would just roll the dice and go with Patterson, who's significantly better than Ashley Young, that's a strong back four. Even if he wanted to play Ben Godfrey there, and just go full board defensive. It would be better. But they've got the makings of a decent defense. Unfortunately, their goalkeeper is tiny arms, so he's always going to be not very good. Uh, in midfield, you've got Garner, Onana, and Dekure, or Adrissagana Gay could come in for Garner, or they could play all four, which they've done a bunch of times this season. I think Garner and Onana as a two is what works best for them. And then Gay, Idrissagana Gay off the bench for like 30 minutes of energy is really good. Dekure is playing that number 10 position. Out wide, I'm guessing we'll see McNeil and Harrison. Poor old Arnaut Danjuma. He turned them down in January to go to Spurs on loan. And then he decided to go there in the summer. And now he's just lost his role. Because uh, Jack Harrison's back. I'd expect it to be Jack Harrison and McNeil on the wings. And then Calvert-Lewin up front. Could be Beto, but Calvert-Lewin's predominantly the starter. But you've got Calvert-Lewin, Beto and Chermetti. They all do very much the same thing. But there's they're, they're all good players. Um, so that's pretty strong. Dan is a good player. Harrison and McNeil are very good players. It's a pretty decent group. There's no real, there's no real, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Variety, though. Like, Harrison and McNeil have kind of overlapping skill sets. Now, you can play them on either side, and that's fine. But like I said, the, the front three, they're all the same type of player. Dan Juma is the only real wildcard type that they have. Um, they obviously sold a Wobie, uh, let Mope go on loan, and sold Tom Cannon, which I thought was very strange because I, I would have rather keep Cannon than spend the sixteen million on Chimetti, put that sixteen million elsewhere. It's not. It's not a dreadful squad. Like there's there's a team there that you could and should fashion into a mid-table team, an unfashionable mid-table team, an aggressive, physical mid-table team, but instead they just, they flounder repeatedly. They'll be missing Deli Ali, who wouldn't be in the team anyway. Seamus Coleman, who, if he was fit, I wonder would Dyche play him right back and young left back? I have a feeling he would, because he started the season with young at left back. And Andre Gomes, who I don't think would be in the squad anyway, because, you know, he's too fancy for Sean Dyche. Uh, we will be missing Robbo, Curtis, Thiago. Kelleher's back in training. Whether he's back ready to play or not remains to be seen. Bissetic should be back in the squad for this weekend. Jota's back. And Gakpo, it looks like he could be back. He's back in training. I don't think he'd be ready to start, but I think he'll be back in, on the bench. If I'm picking the team right now, Ali, I'm inclined to go with Joe at right back. No, we'll go Trent right back, Ebu Virgil. I think you've got to get back to Ebu Virgil in the league. Costas left back. Dominic, Endo, and Alexis in midfield. And then Salah, Jota, and Diaz as the front three. It's probably what I'd go with. Remains to see what Jurgen will do, obviously. Uh, on anfieldindex.com, <coughs> excuse me, we have a piece up about why Waturo Endo should start in the derby. And that piece, I think, has been written by one Stephen Smith. It has indeed, so make sure you check that one out. There's a piece about Darwin, a piece about our absences for the weekend, a piece about how the Reds got on during the international break, and there is Tony Evans' latest. Podcast-wise, we have what can only be described as a clatter of podcasts. There is a new Scouser Tommy's. There is a new Rival Recon. There is a new Liverbirds. And, of course, there is that new under pressure, which is a season so far, uh, look deep dive into how things have gone. So loads of good stuff, as always, from your friends here at Anfield Index. And with that, I bid you farewell. Good luck. Enjoy your weekends. And I'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. 
You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.